You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's drive time now. Welcome to Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Indians radio network. Tribe Talk is brought to you by Progressive, helping Indians fans save hundreds on car insurance. in the life of a Major League Baseball team, even in the offseason, mirrors life itself. There's excitement, good news, new beginnings, and yes, difficult challenges. All of those came into play for the Cleveland Indians this past week, and we will cover them on this week's edition of Tribe Talk, presented by Progressive. I'm Jim Rosenhouse, your host, and welcome to another hot stove edition of Tribe Talk. In the second half of our show, we begin our look around the American League Central Division as we preview the teams the Indians play most often and have to defeat to win a division title. And this week, that means we visit with longtime Detroit Tigers radio voice Dan Dickerson. Always great to get Dan's view on his team from the Motor City. But first, a look back at the week gone by for the Indians, and what an up-and-down day on Monday. As late Sunday night, early Monday, Major League Baseball announced that the season and spring training would begin on time with no proposed delay of about a month. That means, barring something unforeseen, pitchers and catchers will report to Goodyear, Arizona on February 17th, full squad on the 21st, with the exhibition game opener, scheduled for February the 27th against the Reds. If all goes smoothly in the spring, and again, these are all things that seem to change by the day, opening day for the Indians would be April 1st in Detroit. So while that brought some clarity and optimism for the season to come, later in the day, the organization received a jolt when the website The Athletic released a major story detailing alleged indiscretions towards several female members of the media committed by former Indians pitching coach and former Mets manager and current Angels pitching coach Mickey Calloway. Some of the allegations pointed to incidents that occurred while Calloway was the tribe's pitching coach from 2013 through 2017. Indians president of baseball operations Chris Antonetti has been one of the leaders in the Indians organization in continuing to develop a culture both on and off the field that benefits those who work for the tribe and reflects well on the franchise's place in the Northeast Ohio community. So you take that into account, and it was clear when Chris addressed the Cleveland media earlier this week on the Callaway story that it was extremely troubling, emotional, and was above any baseball news of the week. 
I'm going to get in some baseball matters uh, in a minute, but I want to start by addressing an issue that's far more important than baseball, and that's a recent article in The Athletic. Um, I want to make sure I answer any questions that anyone has, uh, and then to the extent we have time, you know, we can get into baseball matters. And if we don't have time for the baseball stuff, um, we can talk about that or, or find another time to, to, to do that. But the first issue is really an important one to talk about. I wanted to uh, first share uh, my personal reaction. Um, the first thing that struck me was how much I appreciate the courage that Brittany and Katie showed in writing the article. I can't begin to imagine how difficult it was for them to hear the experiences of their female colleagues uh, throughout the industry and then to write that story. Um, I am encouraged that women in, um, in the industry and elsewhere are feeling more empowered to share their experiences and I'm hopeful that their courage will lead to a better future for our industry. Um, I know I shared this in our organizational statement, but I want to be really clear. The behaviors described in that article have absolutely no place in any workplace and certainly not in our organization. Um, when I read them, I was disturbed, I was distraught and saddened to read them. Um, it's my responsibility as a leader of this organization to redouble our efforts um, to make sure that we have a safe and inclusive environment. And as importantly, um, when, there, when, when we don't and there are behaviors that are inconsistent with uh, how people should be treated, we also have safe channels uh, for them to share that so they can be handled appropriately. We know we have a lot of work to do to create that safe inclusive uh, environment that we want uh, we want to continue to build organizationally, but I am committed to make sure that happens. Um, I'll answer any questions anyone has. I do want to just address one thing. Um, when I read the article, that was the first time I became aware of the alleged behaviors. Um, and, and so that was on Monday night. After answering questions regarding the Callaway allegations, the Indians baseball ops president did transition to discuss player acquisitions for the week, and there were several very interesting ones. But as he mentioned at the beginning of that audio clip we just heard, it was not an easy transition because of the subject matter of the allegations. In the meantime, Callaway has been suspended by the Angels pending investigation by Major League Baseball. Well, for the purpose of our show this week, we will transition into those player transactions. And uh, Chris commented on last week's re-signing of Gold Glove second baseman Cesar Hernandez and the announcement this week officially that free agent outfielder and former Minnesota Twins slugger Eddie Rosario is now part of the Cleveland Indians. As we shared today, we officially con confirmed uh, the signing of Eddie Rosario. Uh, we were really excited to welcome Eddie to our organization. Uh, it's nice to have him on this side of the ball at this point. Um, uh, have have many years and many many memories of him hitting pitches from all different locations out of the ballpark against us. So it'll be good to have his bat in our lineup. Uh, we think he fits in really well and adds some a quality major league outfielder to our mix. Um, we're still working through whether or not he'll play left field or right field, something we will work through in spring training, but we see him as a capable defender in either spot, and he's open to playing either position. Um, also want to welcome Cesar Hernandez back to the organization. I think I shared with this group uh, at the end of the season, we would love to bring Cesar back. At the time, I wasn't quite sure how that would happen, 
um, given our financial situation at that point in time. But because of the moves we executed earlier in the year, we were able to bring Cesar back and we are elated. Uh, he, he brought so much to our team last year, um, offensively, defensively on the bases in the clubhouse. And we're, uh, like I said, we're excited to welcome back, welcome him back. And with that, I will um, open it up to any questions. Chris, with um, there were a couple of outfielders that signed last week or kind of, you know, matched up with teams. With Eddie being in the AL Central and seeing him so much, did that play into maybe the focus of you guys going after him and maybe not someone that was in the National League, possibly? Um, maybe psychologically for me, because I have very vivid memories of the ball he, he had out, like I think it was off Tomlin and yeah. his eyeballs, another one that was off Clevenger that was like a foot outside and a couple of other ones. So uh, maybe psychologically it might, but I think we try to, there's enough information out there, Andre, now that we try to make an objective assessment of players, you know, regardless of where they may have played last year. So if a National League player would have been a better fit, you know, like Cesar was for us last year, we would have gone down that path. It's just, you know, we felt Eddie was a really good fit for our team and our lineup. Chris, in terms of, of Cesar, you were obviously pleased with what he did for you last year. How important is bringing him back just in terms of stability now that um, you're going to have to replace a shortstop? Yeah, I, I mean, it's helpful. I'm to be able to bring back Cesar along with Jose, I do think that helps provide some stability for what could be an otherwise younger infield. Um, so it, he does bring that element of experience as well that, again, we're excited to bring back. Chris, with all the uh, kind of the back and forth, and obviously I'm sure your intel to more knowledge of when spring training was going to start or not going to start, has that made this difficult or has this kind of been in the back, back of your guys' mind to be prepared to start now? even though you didn't know maybe until last weekend. Yeah, Andre, I think we tried to take the same mindset we did last year, where if you recall, we kind of just set the date and said, let's prepare for the date. And if we need to adjust, we'll do that. So the mindset we, although there was a lot of different scenarios that could have played out and still might play out, what we've communicated to our players and staff is let's make sure we're ready to go day one of spring training and prepare for an on-time start. And if we need to adjust, we'll do that. But Right now, it looks like that's the path we're headed on, and um, our guys will be ready to go. From your side of things, because the – I can't believe we're still asking about the virus, so I apologize. But just with how the virus is in Arizona and just with how many guys you have to have in spring training, are the concerns different or, or tougher for you to start a camp right now? Yeah, I'm worried, Andre. I mean, I think we've shared with you that one of our organizational priorities from the very beginning – even before we knew exactly what the pandemic would would hold, would be to continue to prioritize the health and safety and well-being of our players and staff. And it is concerning that we're going to be going into an environment in Arizona with one of the highest infection rates in the country. I'm hopeful that the protocols that we'll have in place will help mitigate some of those risks and keep everyone healthy and safe as best as possible. But yeah, it is a concern. And we have, again, given all of our staff members an opportunity to, to the extent they don't feel comfortable entering the environment or traveling to spring training, we've given them the opportunity to, to opt out. That's Indians president of baseball operations, Chris Antonetti, touching on a wide variety of subjects, including the official signing of outfielder Eddie Rosario, the now former Minnesota Twin who put up solid numbers, especially the past two seasons. Rosario drove in 151 runs total, sixth most in all of Major League Baseball. 
Now, the Hernandez and Rosario official announcement signings were part of a busy week of transactions for the Indians. The following minor league deals have been struck, and those include invites to Major League Spring Training, and then the Indians also invited seven non-roster players who are part of the organization to Major League Camp as well. And some of the highlights, Mike Freeman, the veteran utility man, he is back in the fold. He's signed to a minor league deal with that invite to Major League Spring Training, and certainly he'll be given every opportunity to be a part of the tribe and provide that veteran leadership that he has done the past couple of seasons. Spent the majority of the last two seasons with the Indians, and in 2020, that shortened season appeared in 24 games across five different positions. The best year of his career, 2019, when he hit 277 in 75 games for the Tribe. Now, some of the youngsters who have been invited to camp, who are part of the organization, pitching-wise, Kyle Doughty, hard-throwing right-hander, even harder-throwing left-hander Anthony Goes, the former outfielder with the Tigers, now trying to make it as a relief pitcher. Nick Sandlin, a uh, recent draft pick uh, by the Indians. DJ Johnson and Brian Shaw back in the fold for the Indians, both coming in on minor league deals with the major league invites. Shaw is returning to the Indians after he spent five seasons with the Tribe from 2013 through 2017. Holds a club record, 110 holds, and still the second most career relief appearances by a member of the Indians, 378 during his time. He was a go-to reliever for manager Terry Francona during some very fine seasons. He's fallen on some hard times since transitioning to Colorado and then Seattle a year ago, so the last uh, three years have not been good for Brian Shaw, but he'll try and recapture some of the magic that uh, made him one of the Indians' more reliable relievers uh, during their run to the World Series in 2016. Stay tuned. When we come back, we'll talk about a sure sign of spring, the equipment trucks leaving Progressive Field and heading to Goodyear. That happened on Friday. And we'll talk to Brandon Biller, Assistant Equipment Manager for the Tribe, next. And now a game of Commercial Chicken, brought to you by Progressive, where we see how long Flo can go without talking about insurance. Ready? Go. So, um, have you noticed how everyone's grammar is completely awful now? Like, you know, the texting and the LOLs. <laughs> Whatever happened to punctuation? I mean, drivers who switch to Progressive can save big! Okay, you win. We can't help but save customers money. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you as we join you for our hot stove editions of Tribe Talk. Not too many left with spring training right around the corner and a sure sign that it is getting close. And this year, patience was the key. The trucks, the first of a couple, left Progressive Field on Friday. So a lot of work to be done by Tony Amato and his crew downstairs. And the assistant equipment manager for the Tribe is Brandon Biller. And he talks about the process and the differences this year because of COVID protocols and restrictions. Yeah, so early on we had a pretty good idea that things were going to be similar to 2020. So in our planning process, we knew there was going to be some variables that we just didn't have control over. So probably about two months ago, we sat down with Old Dominion and said, hey, this is what we're looking at. We're going to be ready February 1st. We don't know when we're leaving. 
And so really this week on Tuesday, we got the phone call that said, hey, get to Arizona. So we picked up the phone, called Old Dominion, and they had his trucks in less than 48 hours, which has been great. So they'll get out of here today. Uh, so we're, we're definitely lighter on the personal side of things uh, and heavier on the protective side of things. So this year, MLB's put a lot of restrictions in place on as far as who's able to access the facility. So we're just not taking the volume of people that we typically take, as well as less players will be down in Arizona as well. And then we're obviously taking a lot of things to promote social distancing and the safety precautions that we're going to follow to get everybody through a successful year. So specifically on the trucks today, we're taking six by six protective barriers that we'll use throughout the facility to separate lockers, separate hallways, separate the more congregated areas, whether it be a training room or a weight room, just to kind of one, be a physical reminder to guys, hey, keep your space. And two, it prevents, you know, the spread of anything or best we can and then with our medical team and our Arizona operations staff we have all the PPE waiting for us down there so if guys show up early they'll be suited up and ready to go when they get to Arizona. Yeah so truck day it's a it's a holiday in Cleveland uh, my truck day is in March when I get to send it back to Cleveland for opening day so this year we're scheduled for March 28th the trucks will take about four days to get back and that leaves us a few days to get ready for opening day on April 5th. Yeah, uh, this year it's a boring truck. Uh, like I said, there's not as many people going typically. We know when we get down there, though we're not truly in a bubble, we're going to act like we are. It's not going to be, you know, there's not going to be downtime uh, to go out and do whatever you want. So the, the golf clubs definitely got cut back. Like I said, it's, it's a pretty, pretty boring truck this year. It's the basics of baseball this year. Tito Scooter's staying here in Cleveland, but it'll be waiting for him on April 5th. Yeah, so the truck was going to leave on Friday, and it'll, it'll beat us to Goodyear, actually. It takes about four days to get down there. Uh, we are going to get down there shortly before that, but because of MLB's policies on travel and they have an intake process for us, we'll uh, get to Arizona quarantine for a couple days before we can actually unload them. That is Brandon Biller, Indians Assistant Equipment Manager. Stay tuned. When we come back, we begin our look around the American League Central Division. We'll be joined by Dan Dickerson longtime radio voice of the Detroit Tigers, a Tigers preview coming your way next on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. And as we turn the calendar to February and we get good news on a start of spring training and the regular season. Time to check in with our friends throughout the American League Central Division and get caught up on our Central Division rivals for the Cleveland Indians. And we begin in the Motor City with the voice of the Tigers, Dan Dickerson. And uh, Dan, first of all, welcome. And, and we're talking earlier, it sounds like finally some good news that there's, there's going to be a season on time and, and things are proceeding. Yeah, the, the keyboards. And thanks for having me. I always love talking with you as we get ready for a season. I love the beginning of a baseball season. But the, I was just so hoping we'd get back to, hey, it's not ideal playing in a pandemic. But it, I thought it was important to try to get back to that full schedule so that players can build back up to that and understand how to do that. And teams can, you know, reestablish their minor leagues. And I know that's going to be delayed a month, but delayed that two months would have been a big setback for the minor leagues. So I think it's really good. They're going to start on time and uh, I can't wait to get going. It's, it's still, I, I, I still, you know, it, there's so much 
for these players and coaches to have to deal with playing with all the protocols. And I, I admire them so much for, for grinding through it last year. And you just hope that they can, you know, do it again this year, learning from other sports and learning from, you know, how they stayed safe last year. And for the Tigers, I know uh, throughout that season, toward the end, uh, some changes. Ron Gardenhire retiring and, and just a, a quick look back at last year, obviously a, a tough year one loss-wise as they continue to try and build up with youth. But uh, how surprised were you that, that Gardy decided to retire when he did? It was a surprise. Um, I, I think he had made that decision to retire at the end of the year a few weeks earlier. Clearly he had. He told me that he he had when he was talking to his son one day when they were in Minnesota sharing a car ride to the ballpark. And uh, I just think that uh, it, it came, you know, it was, what, eight days to go in the season, and he just it was wearing him down so much. He said if it had been a normal year, he still had the desire to manage. But all the things that went with playing with the protocols and all the restrictions on, you know, he's a very – personable hands-on manager and I, you know all those interactions were cut way down and I just think it, it wore on him and his, his health was beginning to you know the stress was getting to him and he had some food poisoning and he just I think and as he talked with Al Avila realized you know what why grind through eight more days if I'm planning on retiring anyway why not do it right now the Tigers hire A.J. Hinch which I think was a surprise to some uh, how has he managed to to work through the obvious questions based yeah. on his past with Houston? And and then looking forward, how excited are the Tigers to have a, a proven major league manager? Yeah, he had to address that right away, and he did. And he handled it, I thought, very well. You know, he'd only done like one major interview after he was let go in January of, of last year. And, you know, in that interview, because I was wondering before the Tigers ever even, you know, called him, I was wondering, you know, is this – a guy who deserves another shot because of what happened. And you know what? He owned up to it. He took full responsibility and said, I didn't do enough. I mean, everything, he deflected none of it. And I thought, okay, this is a guy who deserves another shot. I didn't think, I didn't know it'd be with the Tigers. I thought the White Sox were probably going to go after him and that'd be a more attractive job in terms of, you know, where they are in their rebuild versus the Tigers. And then they hired LaRusse and I thought, well, this looks like a guy that the Tigers might just grab. And I just came to the conclusion he's the perfect guy for this team at this moment. He's got a track record of, of building from, you know, a, a low point and taking talent and, and getting the most out of it. That's what you want from a manager, right? And he said, you know, he, he's told his players and he said at this press conference, this is my history and something I have to deal with. It's not anything you have to deal with. And it's just going to be, you know, he has to form those bonds and he has to have those communications and those talks with players. And I think they understood right away. This is a pretty impressive person who uh, has taken full responsibility, knows what he's doing <laughs> and has real ideas for how to make you as an individual better and the team as a whole better based on some of the things he's learned in both Arizona and Houston. And it sounds like for, for some different reasons, he gets it. What baseball means in Detroit, he, he's got a little, uh, yeah, a little feel for that. He does, he does. I mean, he saw, you know, 2003 was his only year in Detroit, 119 losses, uh, and he saw, you know, fans kept turning out, and when they won five of six to avoid the record, I mean, he he saw, and he saw, you know, the beginnings of, you know, what Mr. Illich was doing in the downtown area with some of the rebirth of the downtown, and then to see it 
you know, 17 years later at his press conference, uh, you know, he was pretty impressed by that. But he understood in his short time here what it meant to be a Tiger and the history of this franchise. And I think he he really embraces all of that and understands how important this team is to this entire community, the metro area and, and the entire state of Michigan. He, I think he really is dr- driven, you know, to make this team a championship team again. And he because he understands all that. Dan Dickerson, longtime radio voice of the Detroit Tigers, joining us. Can we say long time, Dan? Is that okay? Yeah, twenty, you know, twenty-two years this year, Rosie. Twenty-two years. <laughs> yeah, you think where'd that time go? <laughs> My kids were five and two when I started this job. <laughs> Do the math; they're older than that now. <laughs> well, you talk about kids and. Uh, That seems to be really where the excitement lies for the Detroit Tigers. We saw some of it a year ago with the call-ups of of some of that good young pitching toward the end of the season. Uh, And then just recently, you look at different top 100 lists of prospects, and uh, they're going to be in the big leagues, no longer prospects here pretty soon, if not this season. Uh, How excited is the organization about what's to come here, maybe as soon as this year? Yeah, I think, I mean, you have to, it's it's interesting when you read, you know, uh, evaluations of how well uh, Alavila has done in this rebuild. And you, it, it's very mixed reviews uh, generally. And you think, well, what was his primary number one job to rebuild the farm system? And how do these give him anything but, you know, high marks for what he's done from bottom five, consistently bottom five farm system to, I think, certainly consensus top five farm system and MLB pipeline says the first time they've ever ranked five prospects from one franchise in the top 25, which they have this year. So, I mean, that's a pretty exciting base to build from. And yes, they still have to develop, but as Jim Callis said, when you've got five in the top 25, that's a pretty good sign that, you know, prospects always miss, but when you've got five in the top 25, you, you've got a pretty good chance that some of those guys are going to click. The majority are going to click and, you know, be the core of this rebuild. So they've got something to work with. You've got three pitchers who will be in the major leagues in that top 25, Manning, Mize, and Scooble. Manning didn't make it last year. Uh, Assuming good health, you know, you always keep your fingers crossed. They've already lost two pitching prospects to Tommy John in the last two years. Uh, Manning should be in the major leagues. A.J. Hinch says he wants these guys in the major leagues. You've got Scooble and Mize. You know, Mize had a good start, and then he just didn't, you know, he struggled the rest of the way. But that's the learning curve. Uh, Scooble struggled, and then he finished really strong and looked like the better pitcher by the end of the year. But they both remain, obviously, top prospects. So it'll be interesting to see how they balance the innings this year. That's still, still an ongoing, I think, uh, creative effort <laughs> on everybody's part to figure out how to balance the innings. But those guys lead the way. And then on the position player side, Torkelson and Green, they're talking about starting Riley Green fifth overall pick a few years ago at double a Erie, which was interesting when Alavila said that a few weeks ago, uh, because that means he's not far away. That tells you what they think, even in a year of quote unquote lost development, that he did work hard at the alternate training site, did find a swing that he felt was an improvement over his existing swing, which is pretty sweet to begin with. And so he's going to jump from low a ball to double a probably Alavila said to start the year which means he could debut this year and Spencer Torkelson will be at high a don't think we'll see him debut this year but they're certainly going to push him and see hey when guys in this system 
perform, they get they get moved up. And then you've got you know some younger players who don't have quite the upside, but Isak Paredes, I think they're really interested to see how he develops. And then Willie Castro, who you know from the Cleveland farm system, came over a couple of years ago in the Leonis Martin trade. I mean, he's going to get a chance, I think, to be the starting shortstop. His defense is holding him back. His offense looks like it's going to be a real plus. Uh, and and those are the guys who are here who are, who are going to start to make a difference. So there, there's something to build with. I think they needed to fill some veterans, and they have added a couple of guys in Ramos and Grossman, and uh, that allows maybe a Jake Rogers to develop, say, behind the plate. So there's something to work with now, and there's more on the way. Circling back to the pitching, the Indians have seen it here. It, it's developed into an organization that's – known as a, a pitching development organization yeah. with the success that they've had. So there's a plan from the minor leagues on up and, and checks and balances to make sure pitchers are doing what they need to do individually to, to have the best success at the major leagues. Uh, it seems like the Tigers are trying to get to that point. Explain what they've done at, at, with the major league pitching coach and how that might uh, work its way down into the minor leagues and start to develop that type of system. Yeah, the infrastructure really has been put into place the last couple of years. And, you know, it's not a sexy topic when you talk about infrastructure improvements. <laughs> but uh, they had to. They had to invest in the technology and the, you know, the pitching coordinator spots that didn't exist a few years ago. And uh, people who understand, like you said, developing concepts that are going to be taught from the low minor leagues to the major leagues and technology, you know, that everybody uses now. But how do you best use that technology and A.J. Hinch has talked about, you know, you take Daniel Norris, for instance. He thinks Daniel Norris, who had a strong finish in 2019, a good 2020, can be better. And he said, you know, it's about pitch usage. It's about pitch characteristics, meaning, you know, developing new pitches or reshaping your pitches to make them better. Um, and then the pitch sequencing. And these are the things they're talking about. And I think A.J. Hinch's track record of that is pretty impressive. And then you hire Chris Fetter from the University of Michigan, who's Got a great track record of using technology and developing major league pitchers from that program as your new pitching coach. And you pair him with Juan Nieves, who's the experienced major league pitcher who was at Toledo last year and the year before uh, to, to give him that major league perspective. I think that, um, you know, they're definitely coming up with plans. To me, the, the next edge for franchises will be everybody's got technology now. <laughs> who uses it in the best possible way? paired with coaching to make their own guys better. And I think that the Tigers are well on the road to that. I think this year will be a big year in terms of showing how much all that technology and knowledge is improving the players that they have within the system. Yeah, it's interesting. There, there are certainly organizations who are ahead of others in, in that area, right. and, and the others are trying to catch up if they can. Dan Dickerson joining us, uh, radio voice of the Detroit Tigers. Uh, and Dan, we'll close. I, I know I, I seem to ask you every year, what's up with Miguel Cabrera, and and <laughs> what can they get out of him in these remaining years of of a contract that just seems so untenable? Yeah, I, and I asked AJ about that in one of the interviews that we've had uh, in the last couple of months, and he he said, first of all, getting Miguel to the phone is <laughs> a key. It's kind of the standing joke for anybody coming in, but. Uh, He's going to have, you know, those conversations with Miggy. And I think um, he said Jose Altuve is a good friend of his. And I think he was hoping that Jose Altuve would uh, speak to, you know, AJ's how good a guy he is and how 
good a manager he is and how he wants to just get the best out of everybody and to kind of, you know, open that door for him because it, it is a, it really is a thing, you know, that you have to build those bridges. And Joe Vavra talked about it last year to get Miguel to the phone and to exchange text messages or emails with him during the shutdown last year. And uh, once he trusts you, though, then he's he's all in. And AJ's message, I don't think at the time that I talked to him, he had talked to Miggy. The arc that you're on, your, your Hall of Fame career, the arc is going down. It doesn't have to be this way for your last four years. And I think the, the idea of playing maybe a couple of times a week at first base, A.J. Fields will help him because he just does not like being a, a full-time D.H., help him separate the hitting from the fielding and vice versa and, uh, you know, freshen up his mind a little bit so that he's not focused on the last at-bat. If he's struggling, I, he feels like that will help him at the plate. But he also feels like it's still in there. And we saw flashes of it last year with Miggy. I think the shutdown definitely hurt because he did look, you know, every year, you and I know, we hear, you know, so-and-so is reporting in the best shape of his career. But truly, he had made changes to his, uh, you know, physique and his training and his diet and all that last year going into spring training. And the power was still there. And then the shutdown came and he just, he struggled. He struggled when he came back. He showed some flashes in September. So what do you have coming up in the next few years? As you said, they've got him under contract. <laughs> Four more years, I believe. Three more years, anyway, at $30 million plus. So I, I still think there's, if not a Miggy, you know, 950 OPS type of year, I still think a productive 280 to 300 plus with solid power numbers, not the power numbers of old, but he's been, you know, arguably average to below average hitter for the last several years. And I I do think there's that 850 OPS season, say still left in him. Call me crazy. I think the odds are against it because of the injuries, but he stayed healthy last year. And I still think there's something in there and it's important, obviously, because if he's on a roll, it has a ripple effect up and down the lineup. One of the greats of the game, and, and sad to see how much of a struggle it's been in yeah. recent years, to be sure. Well, uh, you know, just finishing up with, with one more on A.J. Hinch. Is it Was it A.J. Hinch who said it on a takeout slide at second base, a Tiger player will take a bite out of the opposing player's knee on the way up when they're going back to the Or is that the new head coach of the Lions? Oh, the Lions. (laughs) (laughs) So AJ's not quite that gung-ho on on the physical end of the game. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of knee biting going on and uh, bone crunching. And, man, that was was quite an introductory press conference. (laughs) I loved it. I laughed, man. He was was fired up and ready to go. Sometimes you need that, I guess. Well, Dan, speaking of fired up and ready to go, don't take out any kneecaps on your way down to Lakeland. Florida. All right, all right. But, but we uh, are. It's exciting to think about getting going, though. It really is. Well, thanks so much for the time, and uh, we will see you opening day at Comerica Park in Detroit. That's right. Look forward to it, Rosie. That's Dan Dickerson, longtime radio voice of the Detroit Tigers, as we begin our look around the American League Central Division right here on Tribe Talk, presented by Progressive. More after this. Progressive presents The Sounds of the Old World. The year is 2019, and someone is waiting for the previews to start in a movie theater. Hey, you want anything? Popcorn? Soda? No, nothing. This has been The Sounds of the Old World. 
brought to you by Progressive, where drivers can still switch and save like it's 2019. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Thanks so much for tuning in this week. And just a reminder on how you can find our show each week. Of course, it airs on the Indians Radio Network, participating stations, usually on Saturday late afternoons. You can also find it at Indians.com, all the archived editions there on the website as well, or in podcast form wherever you download your favorite podcast. So a bunch of different ways to pick up Tribe Talk each week. You can also follow us on Twitter at Indians Radio. And uh, we're going to get Instagram fired up this year as well, and we'll fill you in on that as we get going. Some of the others uh, within the organization coming to camp catchers Gavin Collins and that young prospect Josh Naylor's younger brother Bo, a good young catching prospect. We'll see him in Major League Camp for the first time. And then infielders Tyler Freeman and Owen Miller. Freeman has been in the organization since drafted and Miller, one of those acquired from the Padres in the Mike Clevenger trade deadline deal a year ago. And then one late signing this week Keith Hembry, for a useful reliever for the Red Sox for many, many seasons. He was on the open market, and he has been signed to a minor league deal with a major league invite. So those are your invites and players coming to spring training on minor league contracts. We'll see how it all shakes out, starting, hopefully, on February the 17th. That's at least the plan for now. Well, I want to thank, as always, our good guys back at the Network Studios, Brian Matze and Anthony Alford, for helping to put together our shows each week. Until next week, this is Jim Rosenhouse reminding you that you've been listening to Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Indians Radio Network has been brought to you by... Progressive, helping Indians fans save hundreds on car insurance.